Monday, September 25th, and welcome back. It was a great weekend for me, my family, the plus yesterday. I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was the brisket videos I was putting out. I don't know. Uh, check those YouTube shorts if you want a little backyard brisket done right. Uh, we had one of the largest viewed days in the history of this channel on a Sunday where the 49ers didn't even play. So that means things are they're doing great. Uh, by the time I post today's podcast, we will have had more podcast downloads this month than in any other month we've been doing it. So let me begin with a, a big Monday welcome and thank you for all your support, your patronage. It means the world. Thank you so very much. I see so many friendly names, so many friends uh, already just chatting away with each other long before I even get in here. So just awesome. Just awesome stuff, and thank you so much for being a big part of this. Uh, very interesting week three around the NFL, right? Few themes that we've been talking about all year were on full display this weekend. Um, let's start with the fact that neither uh, Kyle Shanahan nor John Lynch have been anywhere around a hot seat. I mean, I've actually heard people talking about how after this year, if they don't win the Super Bowl, it's officially time to move on and go to guys that could it just it's ridiculous. Some of the people out there and their talking points posing as actual people who cover football, um, the full confidence of ownership was displayed with a still details unknown contract extension between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Neither of those guys is going anywhere anytime soon. And why would why would either guy be asked to go anytime soon. The success that the 49ers have enjoyed still has not been that ultimate level of success of winning a Super Bowl. But any other measurement of success around football, one of the hardest to find measurements of success around football, consistency is something that this team puts on the field nearly each and every week. And this past weekend, as you looked around week three of the NFL, examples of how hard it is, how impossible it is to be consistent were all over the place, all over the field, everywhere you look, everywhere you turn. Um, nearly everything broke perfectly, by the way, for the 49ers this weekend. You had the kink in the Cowboys' armor get exposed as they lose Trayvon Diggs for the season and they lose a game in Arizona in week three. No one really had that coming. Survivor pools got blown up yesterday with that upset Arizona win. Remember, one of the questions we had last week was, hey, Damon, what about the Dallas Cowboys? And I said, what about the Dallas Cowboys? You play Arizona before you play the Dallas Cowboys. And if you look past the team, that's how you fall into a trap game. I'm not saying the Cowboys fell into a trap game. They were dealing with a big banged up offensive line and the devastating Diggs season ending ACL tear in practice from earlier in the week. Um, but you put you put a running game out there against the Cowboys defense. They had trouble stuffing it. And you put Dak Prescott scrambling, playing come from behind football. And that's really not what he's best at. So little bit of a blueprint maybe on how the 49ers can get to the Cowboys. But first, like I said, you got to get through Arizona and Arizona look pretty chippy. 
on Sunday. It really did. Uh, the Falcons, they caught a loss. They fell from the ranks of the unbeaten. You have the Saints catching a loss and what a little shoulder injury to Derek Carr. We'll see how severe that is. But the Saints catch a loss in Green Bay. The Washington Commanders, they catch their first loss of the year. And either the Eagles or the Buccaneers are going to lose or tie, I guess, is a possibility. Tonight, uh, they're one of the two Monday night football games, meaning that tomorrow morning, when we get to Tuesday morning, the 49ers and whoever survives, Eagles and Buccaneers tonight, will be the two remaining unbeaten teams in the NFC. Maybe the Rams also catch a loss tonight at desperate Cincinnati. We'll see what they look like. The only thing that really didn't break perfectly for the 49ers, just in terms of how are they stacking up against everyone, was the fact that Seattle won yesterday. That's the only thing that like went wrong for the 49ers. It was a game that Seattle was supposed to win, and they did win it. So it's not, not a surprise, but had Carolina upset the Seahawks, that would have been the absolute perfect afternoon. Um, nearly perfect is pretty good. Whenever you're offered nearly perfect, you should take it. And by the way, that is going to be the theme of our playlist when we get to the AMP app and the VIP room after the show. By the way, we're up and broadcasting live on AMP right now. It is a simulcast to go along with the YouTube presentation. So uh, if you ever aren't around your computer, but you got your phone in your pocket and you don't want to dial up YouTube, you can go ahead and dial up that AMP app and you can follow me there. And today we have a playlist that is over a half an hour long of songs that I would say are practically perfect. Even if you didn't like the artist, even if you didn't like the genre, even a harsh critic would have to say that song, it's practically perfect. And it was. It was nearly a practically perfect week three for the 49ers. So off to a very interesting start this week, to say the least. We're going to go through some of these games and thumb through them and tell you about a couple of other things that happened this weekend as well here on a Monday. Again, good to see you. Good to see so many uh, names of uh, friendly faces. What do we got over here? We got Yosarian say, shout out Mr. Perfect and the Perfect Plex. Yeah, there was a, a finishing move. The Perfect Plex. Uh, the, yeah, shout out Mr. Perfect at all times. It's, why wouldn't we? But we got True Blue Forever. We got Otis Bird. We got R.I.P. Cougar Rebel. We got Chef Amy. We got Michelle. We got all the regulars in here. Postman Capitol. Oy, oy, oy! Postman gets an oy, oy, oy. So look, uh, on full display in week three is how hard all of this truly, really is time in, time out. It, it's, it's really hard to be consistent in the NFL. And the fact that consistency hasn't been good enough for some fans. Again, these fans have been sold a hill of magic beans by, you know, I don't want to say a con artist, but by somebody who doesn't know anything about the magic beans they're selling to you. Okay. The 49ers are a model that other teams want to be like. They're not this dysfunctional, underachieving, can't win it all, constantly making the wrong de decisions and draft picks. And because of the Trey Lance thing alone, they all need to be fired. Like that is ridiculous talk from someone who's not tethered to actual reality. Reality is, is that being consistent is a very hard thing to do in football. And all you had to do is watch week three without the Niners to reach that conclusion. 
It's amazing how football keeps telling you who does and doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. It's all over the place. Uh, What is also all over the place, including, I believe, a new shop that is going to be opening in Palo Alto on Wednesday. Another Ike's coming to the Bay Area. Hopefully there is an Ike's coming to you. I had a delicious Ike sandwich over the weekend. I got myself a menage a trois. Oh, yes. Little uh, halal chicken, little honey on that. I think there's some wasabi mayo, something spicy on that. I don't even know what the hell's in that sandwich, but like so many Ike sandwiches, just get it. It's freaking delicious. Trust me. Take my runner's body as proof of how delicious Ike sandwiches really are. Go ahead and pick yourself one up today. Order one right off the Ike app. Join the rewards program. And Ike even told me he might be stopping by the chat tomorrow to sprinkle some free sandwiches to anyone who might be able to make it on down to Palo Alto. So make sure you're back here tomorrow at 11, like all good plucers always are. Uh, We might even feed you tomorrow. Uh, We will definitely tell you where to go for a delicious bottle of whiskey, and that is to BevMo to pick up a bottle of Blackened. I love me some Blackened whiskey. I was in a little bit of a bottle with my boy GQ, who came over for a little brisket party that we had with the in-laws last night. Again, when you make a brisket, you invite people over for dinner. Uh, We had the brisket, and then we had the Blackened, and we really enjoyed both. Find out for yourself why it is the talk of the whiskey world, at least the whiskey world that the Plus is running. Uh, get yourself into a Bevmo, and if your local liquor store doesn't pick up a Blackened, tell them to, and you will be all about it. Uh, speaking of all about it, my T-shirt. Right, this says "In Steph We Trust." I should be wearing a T-shirt that says "In Stefan We Trust." It's. It sounds like I'm lying to you. I'm not. Another perfect five and and0 NFL weekend for Stefan. I don't know how he does it. This is like mathematically impossible to win this often when you're going up against the number in Las Vegas. But my man has done it again. He delivered nothing but winners on Thursday night. He delivered nothing but winners all weekend long. And I'm telling you, if you have just been taking Steph's advice, Stefan's advice on bottomlinebets.com and you've been rolling it over, you're up thousands of dollars right now. My man is on fire. I am not bullshitting you. Find out for yourself. Daily, weekly, monthly subscriptions. He also is running a special right now, which will get you the remainder of the football season. And that includes more than just his football picks. Find out for yourself. Go to bottomlinebets.com. The bottom line is Stefan wins. Sign up daily, weekly, monthly. And then the Uber package is available for you too. If you've been rolling with Stefan through this football season, you are already eating at the French Laundry. That's how good of a year you've had in just three weeks with my man, Stefan. I'm not bullshitting you. Go check it out for yourself. Find out for yourself. And then where, Damon, where do I go actually make that bet? I'm glad you asked. You go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is an offshore account, which means you can use it from anywhere, whether your state that you live in has approved online betting or not. You can make your bets at mybookie.ag and use promo code Damon when you sign up for 50% deposit match up to $1,000 and a $10 casino chip because they got a whole casino floor in there for you. Check out props, action, all kinds of fun stuff is there for you on 
mybookie.ag. Use promo code Damon when you sign up. Again, if it's hard to be consistent in, in the NFL, you know how even harder it is to be consistent in Las Vegas? Man, my man Stefan is just fuego. It's fuego. Just find out for yourself. Again, stop listening to me. Go find out for yourself. If you can't appreciate consistency in the absence of a Lombardi trophy, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to covering this league. This is a talking point that has put me at odds with some people. They're wrong. I'm right. So fuck them. And it's good that you're here. Thank you very, very much. Uh, What we have are through three weeks... Basically, every single team in this league has shown you how up and down any week could go. Uh, Look at it this way. Through three weeks, unless it's all been down, everyone has shown you the nature of up and down football that you get in the NFL, regardless of who your opponent is. Oh, that's an easy team to beat. Okay. Dallas, welcome to Arizona. You know, it's not easy to win anywhere against anybody in this league, especially with performances that border on consistent. you got smart coaches, smart assistant coaches, great players all over this league breaking down other teams' strategies on such a granular level. There is no way to, you know, fake the NFL's algorithm. You can't. You can't fake football. That's how hard this league is. Well, Unless you're the 49ers, I guess, because consistency is the hallmark of what Kyle Shanahan has put together. They have so far this year through three weeks scored 30 points, and then they scored 30 points, and then they scored 30 points. You know how hard it is to be that consistent over three weeks? Look around the damn league. You know, you got a team like the the, the Kansas City Chiefs having trouble with consistency offensively first couple of weeks what would they opened up against Detroit that was a tougher game than anyone expected then they go down to Jacksonville and they don't you know ring the pinball machine left and right and put that game on tilt now they put the bears on tilt but the bears are again you want to talk about consistently consistently awful we'll get to them in just a second but really Unbelievably impressive consistency from San Francisco. The 30 points against the New York Giants marks the sixth consecutive regular season game that the team has scored 30 or more points dating back to week 16 of last year. That's the longest streak in franchise history. So this team has found more consistency with Mr. Irrelevant than it did with Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Bill Walsh. Do I have your full attention now as to how good this team could actually be? You know, for those of you demanding these physically perfect franchise quarterbacks, the physically imperfect Brock Purdy is doing better than every franchise quarterback that you got a fond memory of that has ever worn a 49ers jersey. Brock, Kyle have been better mathematically. There you go. Now, again, Damon, it's about a Lombardi trophy. I get it. You can stop. How about this? I get that so implicitly. You can stop telling it to me. 
And I'm going to stop telling you that everybody wants a Lombardi trophy and they don't just go handing these damn things out. And they're harder to win than most anything you could think of in sports. So just because your team failed to win a Lombardi trophy doesn't mean that they are equal parts failure to, oh, well, you either win the Lombardi trophy or you failed. Really? So the team that lost the Super Bowl is as big a failure as the team that has the number one pick in next year's draft? Is that your argument? Because if that's your argument, you're childish. You don't know shit about what you're actually looking at. Through three weeks of the season, the consistency of the 49ers shouldn't just be measured on the offensive side of the ball either. San Francisco has held opponents to just 159 total rushing yards the first three weeks of the year for the first time since 1970. They consistently put out a team that is brutal against the run, chases your quarterback down, and is this defense is playing pretty darn well. And it hasn't e- the, the 49ers haven't even had that whoa defensive football game yet. But it's coming. It's coming. Look, the Dallas Cowboys looked like world beaters in week one. They looked very good in week two, and they annihilated survivor pools nationwide with a week three loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Consistency. It's hard to be in this league. You know, the Broncos, they lose their first two games of the year by a combined total of three points. On Sunday, they go down by 50 in Miami. So, you know, tell me about that level of consistency and how bad things can get. Again, the Chiefs, they sputter first two weeks of the year with mixed results. Chicago rolls into Arrowhead with Taylor Swift. Doors blown out. I don't know what got blown out of Taylor. I don't know if that if the, if if her and Travis are anything other than a PR campaign. And oh, there's also this. I don't care. I really don't care. If you're a Taylor Swift fan, here's what you're hoping for. You're hoping that this love is real and he absolutely shatters her heart and you'll get another really good Taylor Swift album in fall of 2024. There you go. I mean, this woman cranks out hits around breakups, right? (laughs) Sip of the day. Sip of the day right there. That was fantastic. It was right on the money. No cream, no sugar, perfect temp. Just don't talk about blackened and perfect right there. That was fantastic. One of the other themes that the NFL has been touching on through its offseason headlines and some of the negotiations around these running backs, one of those themes was on full display just in the vacuum of Thursday night alone. You saw what the New York Giants looked like without Saquon Barkley, You saw what the 49ers looked like with Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey is so good at what he does. He's the highest paid running back in football. And look at the success that the team that he's on is having. Uh, You got the Giants screwing around with Saquon Barkley in the offseason. You got the running back position being devalued everywhere you look. Somebody said, look at that injury to Nick Chubb in week two in Pittsburgh. And that's why you don't pay your running back. Well, look, anyone can get injured on the field. So why would you pay anybody who played in football? Because getting hurt could happen to anyone. Now you do take more shots, obviously, as a running back. But 
This is the price of doing business in this league. And if you want to be a really good team, you're going to need a really good running back. Why don't you go ahead and ask the Las Vegas Raiders, who had a really good version of their running back, who they decided to dick around in the offseason. Josh Jacobs misses all of training camp. And the Raiders have forgotten to run the football, even though it's the same guy. Quit messing with your running backs, folks. Running backs are important. Smart teams know that. Smart teams understand that. And maybe one of the smartest teams in all of football made the biggest investment in the position that you're going to find in the 49ers. And since it's a copycat league, I wonder if there aren't a lot of teams going, geez, I wish we had a better running back right now. (laughs) Including the postseason, by the way, Christian McCaffrey has scored one or more touchdowns in 12 consecutive games, the longest streak of any NFL player and ties the second longest streak by the uh, member of the 49ers. Uh, Jerry Rice had... uh, had a longer streak in 1987. This is something else, by the way. You want to talk consistency? If you put $100 on a Christian McCaffrey scores a touchdown at any point in time in this game, and you started a dozen games ago with 100 bucks, and then you just took your winnings and rolled it over and rolled it over and rolled it over and then rolled it over, Rolled it over and rolled it over and rolled it over. You'd be up $79,000 right now on an initial $100 investment. You keep on rolling the winnings over. You'd be up $79,000 on a Christian McCaffrey. Does he score a touchdown today? Prop bet. That's not bad. So it was a really good week for the 49ers. It was a fun weekend of football. Some games got away, but they were still even entertaining as they were getting away from some games. Uh, You had a fun weekend slate in college football. We'll get to a little of that in just a second. But I got to talk about the Sunday night game because it was Raiders and Steelers. And what is Josh McDaniels doing at the end of that game? I didn't understand it. I'm not sure what I was watching. He's down eight. He's got the ball with about two and a half minutes left. He's got all three of his timeouts, and he's got the two-minute warning. He is in field goal range, and he's looking at it like, I think, a fourth and one, and then there is a, a, a penalty to make it fourth and five. Either way, it's still go for it time. He doesn't go for it. He decides not to go for it. He settled for the field goal under the premise of, I think we can stop the clock and then we can get the ball back. But even when you get the ball back, you still need that touchdown. Again, you'll be playing to win, not tie at that point, but you still need the touchdown because you're down eight. So three here plus another field goal means you're two points short of winning this game. So you need a touchdown and if you're playing with you know the down eight concept, you, you two point conversion. I think to me it's always easier to assume score a touchdown here, two point conversion, than settle for points here, get the ball back somehow, and then go back down and score another. Like it's too many moving parts to the way Josh McDaniel says he was thinking about this. So he settles for the field goal. So now he's down five points. But wait, the Steelers are offsides. So they take the points off the board and they keep on driving. The offense is back out on the field. Well, they get to another fourth down 
And the only thing that's happened is Josh McDaniels, who liked the amount of time that he had on the clock before to play this game, has less time now on the clock, less time, but he still sticks with the strategy of I'm going to take the field goal and try to get the ball back because I got my timeouts and the two-minute warning, but he doesn't have the time that he had when he was thinking about doing it this way the first time around. I just don't understand it. Oh, by the way, the Raiders lost. The Raiders lost. And I just, I don't understand it. And, you know, today he's up in front of the media talking about how he hasn't lost confidence in his offense. He hasn't lost confidence. Isn't this guy supposed to be an offensive genius who knows Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths and weaknesses very, very well and is going to make him in the right situation to go ahead and pick up the touchdown? I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it as I was watching it. And this isn't second-guessing shit. I was tweeting about this in real time. So I don't get it. I don't get what the hell the Raiders were doing last night, but I know why they have a one and two start to the year. And it's because they spent this off season, nickel and diamond, a running back who had a type of year that screams, you can go ahead and pay me. They nickel and dime their running back so far. And I got this from JJ Kindred, who's a big Raiders fan, front office guy, uh, played for the Raiders for a, a, a solid minute there. Um, anyway, big Raiders guy on Twitter. He said, you know, Jimmy was hit a lot yesterday. That's for sure. But three games in passing plays, they've had 98 passing plays for a seven and a half yard average. That's pretty good. They're running plays. They've had 63 of them over three games and they're averaging 2.9 yards. Last year, running the football, the Raiders averaged 4.8 yards. So they basically, with an offseason where they decided to play penny-pinching with their best running back in the NFL statistically last year, got them uh, a Josh Jacobs who showed up this year, and he goes from being one of the best running backs in football to just a guy. That's all he is. Josh Jacobs is just a guy, and he's just a guy because he probably fell out a little bit of love with the Raiders. His offseason workout might have taken. I mean, I don't know what his personal discipline is, but I look, you don't go messing with something when it works. The Raiders fucked around, and now they're finding out that their league best, one of the league best running backs that they had last year hasn't done jack so far this year. Why is that? Well, probably because they screwed around with him a little in, when it was unnecessary to do so. At least it felt like, looked like it was unnecessary to do so. Uh, if you've been following me for a really long time, if you've been listening to a nearly 20-year-long 20 20 radio career before we uh, plopped over here to YouTube and uh, decided, yeah, we'll just, we'll just dominate the entire Bay Area sports scene from right here in my rumpus room downstairs. Um, I, you can go back and you'll find that I'm not a fire everybody guy. I'm not, I don't do the fire everybody show very often. Uh, I think firing everybody is rarely the answer, rarely the cure to whatever disease has infected a team. But I already think we've stumbled upon a few fire everybody cases here in the NFL. Uh, in Chicago, it's time for everyone to be fired. Everyone. Everyone, I don't I, even the janitor at Hallis Hall probably could be improved upon. The Chicago Bears 2023 NFL season has already included the following a staggeringly embarrassing, incompetent, impotent 40 to 10 loss to punctuate an 0 3 start 
at Arrowhead on Sunday. You've had a defensive coordinator who resigned under mysterious circumstances where he might have done something creepy or something or uh, who knows? No, no one knows. So there's no real transparency. Nobody knows what happened, but something very abnormal tried to be dismissed as normal by the Bears, which means they're lying to themselves and you all at the same time. You've had a quarterback calling out a coach, and he might not be wrong, and at the same time, he might not be the quarterback that is going to be successful anywhere in football cuz look Justin Fields can really run with the ball. If you got a running if you got a quarterback who can only really run with the ball, you don't really have a quarterback, do you? And when it comes to throwing it, he's not very good. Chicago now has a losing streak that has gone back uh what 13 consecutive games. Clearly hunting another top 3 pick in the next draft. They're just they're awful. They are awful. So it's it's time to say goodbye to everybody. I mean, really, just there's there's nothing there. From Eberflus to the quarterback to the GM to everything, even Kevin Warren is the new president of the whole damn operation. Like you can't even pick a place to build your new stadium, you douchebags. Fucking bears. Again, I'm not a big fire everybody guy, but I think I've seen enough over a couple years here from this group to know it ain't going to work. And that brings me to the Denver Broncos. Because let's face it, they saddled themselves to Russell Wilson with a contract that has all the earmarks of going down as one of the worst contracts in the history of professional sports. This thing looks ridiculous. And it's looking worse by the day and by the fact that there isn't anyone in Denver including every single member of the Denver Broncos who thinks that they will ever win anything significant with this quarterback, but the new head coach, he's going to change everything, right? Guess not. I know you can't just walk away from a quarterback who you still have like $100 million guaranteed to, to, to give them, but it's, it's time. I mean, you should just eat all that dead cap money and just start developing another quarterback because Russell Wilson, even if he does improve, isn't going to be around long enough to improve with the entire team needing to improve around him. And the Denver Broncos need another head coach, and they need one right now. Sean Payton came in to be the cure-all. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Well, wasn't that loss in Miami yesterday on one afternoon the equivalent of the stacks of incompetent afternoons that Nathaniel Hackett put together when he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I mean, my God, they gave up 70. They lost by 50. To say that the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton era is dead on arrival is the truth. And the Dolphins killed it. They will never win shit. There's no coming back from that. There's no coming back. There's no way Sean Payton can sell in his locker room ever that I've got this. You follow me. I know the way. You can't. You just lost. You just got 70 points put on you. You lose by 50. You're done. You're done. 
And I know that Sean Payton is three games into a long-term contract and Russell Wilson still has many more years of guaranteed contractual opportunities. Uh, they should get rid of both of those guys right now. Neither one of them is going to win shit ever. It's just going to happen. I just, I know it in my heart. Damon, how can you predict the future? You just get, you know, when you get beat like that, there's no coming back. There's no winning the room back. You just lost by 50 on a professional football field. You're done. Your credibility is done. Done. The Denver Broncos are a dumpster fire. And even if they were just a little kindling, a little burning, a little smoke coming from the, the dumpster, after a combined two losses by a combined three points, to then lose by 50 in Miami means you got no credibility with any one of your players ever again. I saw as dejected a couple of post-game interviews out of that Denver Broncos locker room in Miami yesterday. It was the entire team is is absolutely giving up on the concept of this working in any way, shape, or form. Sort of like the San Francisco Giants, but we'll get to them in a second. How's everybody in that chat doing? Everyone feeling good? Everyone feeling good over here? Oh, Fish and Chips is feeling good. Look at that. Little uh, Can Fozzie Bear do a better job as the Chicago Bears head coach? Hey, waka waka. Look at that. Using the king, the king's pound. Thank you very, very much, Fish and Chips. I'm going to scroll back real quick. Did I miss any other supers? I hope not. I guess not. All right. We go on. We go on. Again, as bad as everything was for the Denver Broncos in Miami. Look, I'm not saying that you should throw ever a parade for a regular season win, but that's that's about as close as it comes. What a what, what a weekend for the Miami Dolphins. And you had Mike McDaniel, who had to have a mentioned in his postgame press conference, like, yeah, I could have set the single game NFL scoring record to go along with the single game yardage record today, but you know, karma. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, they didn't need to do it. What they did was such an unbelievable depancing of another professional football team. Like, again, that that's not really available in football. You're, you're not allowed to beat anybody by 50 in this league. That just doesn't happen. How about this? It certainly hasn't happened. Given up 70 points in my lifetime. So I've never seen anything quite like that before. Guy named Andrew Hawkins on Twitter broke it all down. He said, you know, that Mike McDaniel actually grew up in Denver. He was a Broncos ball ball boy as a kid. And that's where he met Kyle Shanahan and the McCaffrey family first time around. He was a coaching intern with the franchise in 2005, and then when the Broncos had a head coaching vacancy in 22, they didn't even bother interviewing him. So Sunday, his wildly entertaining offense puts up the most points in an NFL game since 1966. That is savage. That's Again, Sean Payton can never walk into that Denver Broncos locker room with a game plan that he can sell like a, like he, he sold everyone that I got a game plan to compete with Miami today. And then you see what Miami does. Everyone in Denver should be fired immediately, but they owe him way too much money to do that. I don't care. It's never going to work. You can, again, the best time to get out of a lousy investment is today. 
every day you wait is a day worse. Although I really don't know, you know, what the Broncos are supposed to do looking for a new head coach and new quarterback going into week four. It seems a little unavailable too. So I guess they just all have to die. Hello, Denver Broncos. I see that you are struggling. 70 points you gave up. You have my permission to die. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, what is also pretty unbelievable and empirical proof that once again, the 49ers are a model franchise that other teams want to be more like, not less like, is just look at what's happening to Kyle's former assistants as NFL head coaches. Now, poor Robert Sala, he's in for a season of hurt. But, you know, the year that he was supposed to have turned into something wildly different when Aaron Rodgers went down four plays into his Jets career. They said, by the way, they're going to roll with Kevin Wilson. Rolling with Kevin Wilson is going to get them a top three, four pick. And in a year full of quarterbacks, it's probably a thing that they need. So the Jets need to wash out this year to put themselves in best position for next year. Any talk of firing, you know, Robert Sala is is a little unfair, but that's Sports Talk Radio in New York. But you look at Kyle's other assistants, again, Mike McDaniel, three weeks into this year, has pretty much wrapped up NFL head coach of the year, right? I mean, he has been unbelievable. The Dolphins are as entertaining a watch as you're going to find anywhere in this league right now. Tyreek Hill is unbelievable. Tua is finding them everywhere. Uh, they got backup quarterbacks coming in and throwing 60-yard bombs. It is just, it's bad. It's it's bad for everyone in the NFL when you're playing the Miami Dolphins. You got you got a handful of problems coming at you with a fascinating offense that's got eye candy everywhere. Again, 70 points. It's the most in a game since 1966. Uh, Mike McDaniel, his team became the first in NFL history with five rushing and passing touchdowns in the same game. Single game yardage record. I mean, this guy cranks out offense. Wow. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, by the way. You know, the Houston Texans have an awful lot of room to improve just about everywhere, but they got themselves a quarterback. Looks like it anyways, if we're going to take the first three impressions that we get of somebody and try to use that to define what they might be. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, he led Houston to an upset win over Jacksonville on Sunday. He threw for 280 yards with two touchdowns, and he became the first quarterback in NFL history to have at least 900 passing yards with four touchdowns and zero interceptions in his first three career starts. It's pretty good. That's really good, C.J. Stroud. So again, I like D'Amico Ryans. It's no problem to hop on that Houston Texans bandwagon. There's plenty of room. Uh, if you're looking for a little AFC team to root for, you got Josh McDaniels. You got you, you, you got Robert Sala. And you got D'Amico. You got... Kyle, assistants everywhere. And then if you look at the Shanahan coaching tree and include, you know, uh, other coordinators working in other places now, I saw this from Albert Breer. Three of the top eight offenses in the NFL right now are from the Shanahan coaching tree. 
And if you want to include Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers themselves in this statistic, that's four of the top eight offenses in football come from Kyle's concepts and his pre-snap motion. And the four, four of the top eight offenses, San Francisco's, Miami's, Minnesota, and the LA Rams are all direct descendants of Kyle Shanahan, his teachings, his philosophies, and that's why Kyle just got extended. That's why John Lynch just got extended. By the way, how do we not have the details on that? I, I, come on, tell us. What's that, what, what the hell? So a lot of interesting stuff on display in week three, and you can kind of draw all these different lines back to the 49ers. It's pretty interesting. It really is. Drew down on the text line. Broncos stink. That is the correct analysis. That is the correct analysis. Otis, he's just being friendly here. The Broncos may be done. May be done? Dude, they're cooked. It's over. You don't, you don't get up off the deck to fight hard again ever for a coach that has a 70 spot dropped on them. It's over. It's over right now. The... Sean Payton, Russell Wilson era in Denver is dead. Right now, they'll never be handed a Lombardi trophy. They'll I don't even think they'll ever even see the postseason. It's a disaster. And let me tell you, it also could be a little bit of a disaster. Not looking past the Arizona Cardinals in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, the Arizona Cardinals should have put the fear of, I don't know about the fear of God, but the fear of any NFL team back into the 49ers if they were going to think about going to that game looking past, overconfident. I don't think they're going to find that anymore. The Cardinals just ran for 222 yards on that Dallas defense. Now, the Cardinals are not going to run for 222 yards on the 49ers defense, but that is a red alert right there to have everybody, Johnny, on the spot with their assignments uh, coming up against Arizona, a team you might have looked past. I don't think you're looking past them anymore. You shouldn't have been in the first place. But think about it. The Cardinals just ran for 222 yards on the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. Kyle's got to be thinking... Hot knife through butter <laughs> when they get on our schedule, right? You basically had James Conner just beating the Cowboys defense running off tackle. I mean, you get to the outside, there was room to be had on the Dallas Cowboys defense. So there's no doubt that Kyle noticed that too. The Cowboys also had major offensive line problems. If that doesn't get fixed by the time they get to Levi Stadium, that's going to make things hard for Dak Prescott. So they got two weeks to fix that or they're in trouble. It was an awfully fun weekend of uh, college football. Just entertain me, college football. That's all I'm asking for. Had my Hoosiers post a triple overtime win over Akron. Took three overtimes to beat Akron. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I will say this about Akron, though, that's kind of cool. First of all, no sound effect for Dave Feldhouse. Uh, but uh, they have a turnover tire. You've seen turnover chains. They actually put like a 22-inch Goodyear radial around a dude's neck, and he walks around with a turnover tire. I, I do respect the turnover tire. 
Uh, Colorado got absolutely pantsed up in Oregon. It was to be expected, but I I didn't think it was going to get that bad because I thought Colorado had a little bit more of a punch to throw at Oregon, but you saw the difference between we've been really good for a decade and we've been good through one transfer portal. That's That was the difference there. And Oregon has been cashing in on elite recruits for years now. Colorado has been finding a few elite recruits for months now. And it all added up to where things got loose in Oregon for sure. The Ducks, the Ducks were really, really good. They are the premier program of the West Coast, not named USC. That's for sure. Although I do see you, Washington, my man Michael Penix Jr., IU transfer. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., dark horse for a Heisman. That guy throws lasers. And uh, Cal was on the receiving end of those lasers. Cal went down big at Husky Stadium. Notre Dame and Ohio State had a really dramatic finish in South Bend. The Buckeyes, they score a touchdown on the final play of the game. I guess the Irish only had 10 men on the field for the last two plays of that game. That's that's not great. Um, but that was a really fun, entertaining game. You had Ryan Day, motherfucking Lou Holtz for whatever reason on the way out. I mean, that's I didn't didn't have that on my Saturday bingo card. So fun weekend of football. Which is good because uh, baseball is essentially done here in the Bay Area. And that's where we're going to wrap up today, basically. Uh, San Francisco Giants baseball. What can I tell you? Nothing like it. They are home against the Padres for their final home series of the season beginning this evening. The Giants have played themselves practically, yet not mathematically yet, out of the postseason. And they're playing themselves into a possibility of even having a losing season. They're two games under 500. How'd they get there? Well, going 2-8 and eight in your last 10 games will get you there. I thought the highlight of the weekend series in L.A. was Mike Yastrzemski forgetting how many outs there were at Dodger Stadium. That's always a moment that is cloaked in glory. So the Giants begin... Their final series with the Padres, dead even with the Padres, the disappointing, most disappointing team in the National League, San Diego Padres, and the Giants are now tied, exact same records. The good news is, is they're not, for the Giants, they're not enough games remaining to finish in dead last place in the National League West. But, you know, fourth place is out there for Farhan, his abacus, and Gabe Kapler. You want to talk about, I think we've seen enough there. I don't see how the Giants could bring that back and think, oh, yeah, this will solve our attendance problems. Embarrassing. Logan Webb should get another uh, soul-crushing amount of run support tonight because the Giants lineup will be struggling mightily against Blake Snell, who's looking to finish off a Cy Young campaign. And boy, he's got the right team to do that against tonight. Meanwhile, the A's drew 13,000 to their final home game of the year, maybe ever. I don't know if anyone even cares anymore, but um, it's official. With 108 losses and six left to play, this team 
at 109 losses. And don't tell me they're about to go 6-0 to finish the year. So they're going to lose at least another game. And when they get to 109 losses, that will indeed make them the losingest franchise in Oakland A's history. You still got a Philadelphia A's team that lost more than any of these, and there's not enough games left to even catch them. But second most losses in franchise history, the most amount of losses in Oakland history. All I can tell you is it's the one perfectly designed plan of John Fisher's entire life. It's the one thing he did right. This talentless, feckless fucker of an owner did one thing correctly in his entire ownership, and that was scuttle the ability to win or be interested in his franchise in a year where he wants to move them to Las Vegas. So John Fisher, fuck off. Uh, you're, you're the worst. You are bad for ball. And I want to wrap up by telling you that Michael Urban was, of course, good for ball. Michael Urban who was a friend of a lot of Bay Area sports fans. Uh, he did a lot of shows on KNBR and 95.7 The Game. He was on TV for a long time covering the Giants. Michael Irvin, or excuse me, Urban. Always get the two. It sounds alike, right? But um, Michael Urban sadly took his own life. And this past weekend was the ceremony that was his celebration of life. I saw his father get up and eulogize his son. His brother did the same thing. That has got to be as difficult a thing to do in a human's life. The two of them handled themselves with a plum in this incredibly difficult time. Um, there were there were a few guys from the station who showed up, and it was nice to see them. I won't tell you who it was because. In the same breath, I'd be telling you who it wasn't. And I don't want to make anybody look good or bad, but I will tell you about one person who did show up to the Michael Irvin, or excuse me, geez, I'm so sorry, I keep on saying it, the Michael Urban celebration of life. Barry Zito was there. Barry Zito lives in Nashville now. He's not up in Marin or Tiburon anymore. He lives in Nashville with his wife, and Barry Zito flew in to attend Michael Urban's celebration of life. We had about a 15-minute conversation. It was really nice to see Barry. He's very happy. He's working on a musical career in Nashville where he plays and plucks around his guitar. And um, he's living a very happy, content life, raising a couple of kids. Uh, Barry Zito showed up for the Urban family, and it was really, really nice to see him. It was cool that he made it. So Barry Zito, confirmed, really good guy. And we are uh, about to slip into Club Plus this Monday morning, drifting now officially into afternoon. Let's see what everyone is chatting about. But thank you so much for downloading this podcast so many times that today we will set a new month high uh, of downloads, a new record for any of the months that we've been doing this. Uh, as soon as this podcast drops today, approaching 100,000, we'll celebrate when that happens. The subscribers to the YouTube page continue to climb, and I thank you all. Please follow, like, subscribe, all that stuff. And uh, if you join me over on the AMP app, you're going to get a list today, a set list of songs that are practically perfect to fit the theme of a practically perfect weekend for the 49ers. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. We're going to slip into Club Plus, but the rest of you need to know.
that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone. 